as our young bearers of light and tradition and Miss Susan reminded us a bit ago, um, the central theme of this season of the church year is the mind being witnesses to wonders um, and our fifth source, the humanist teachings, uh, which counsel us to heed the guidance of reason and the results of science and warn us against idolatries of the mind and spirit. You may be pleased to know that next Sunday and the week after that there will actually be scientific type people in the pulpit, of which I am definitely not one. Um, but they'll be sharing some of their insights with you. Uh, in looking, for, uh, looking at the focus of this season and preparing for various worship services, I noticed that in the back of the gray hymnal, one of the hymns that's listed under humanism is God of grace and God of glory. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, first, because of the contrast it represents with what comes to mind for me when I think about humanism, um, because, well, I don't want to get into the because. <laughs> But secondly, because of a Bible passage that had crossed my mind earlier that week. Um, after having been suggested by a Baptist colleague and then invited by the staff, I was asked to go to a local recovery center and deliver a spirituality talk. Um, I'm scheduled to do that once a month. And I uh, was told that most of the clients are generally Christian and often Catholic and often Baptist with a smattering of other traditions. Um, but because most of the clients are only there for 30-odd days, I only see them one time. So it's not like I get to have an ongoing dialogue with people. But after introducing myself and offering a thumbnail introduction, which is challenging in itself, of Unitarian Universalism, somewhere not too terribly far into my talk, I'll mention that quote from John O'Donohue that I have mentioned here any number of times, that there is a place that he's actually uh, giving his spin on a Meister Eckhart idea. But he, um, he says, there is a place in you where you have never been wounded. That gets people's heads kind of spinning around. And I talk about our principle of affirming and promoting the inherent worth and dignity of every person, that nothing we do or say or don't do can take that value away from us. Um, this situation is is really a new kind of a thing for me to be um, presenting ideas that I know have not crossed people's minds to them and trying to cover in some way that might at least raise some curiosity with uh, in in just the span of an hour um, i'm I'm not a school teacher, and I, 
Uh, anyway, most of the, the people that I have encountered there so far are people who have really not moved a lot beyond questioning the things they were taught as children. Now, I've, there are also people that, have, that go through this facility that don't have any particular tradition or belief, and I think um, it may be to stand in contrast to my colleague's views, because he comes every month too, that I was asked to come and do these talks. On one particular occasion, a man became immediately confrontational in response to my suggesting that I did not believe in a God that was punishing. Um, he, he challenged me, he said, do you not think that what happened in the Garden of Eden, that Adam and Eve were not punished? And uh, my response initially was, I'm not trying to sell you anything. And I'm not saying that those stories are not true or that they at least don't hold truth. What I'm saying is that I think in their truth there's more to it than just what's written on the page. That was not adequate. <laughs> uh, you know, the agitation in the room became more and more palpable. You know, I was there trying to restore a little hope and plant a seed of possibility in people who have often lost a sense of uh, their own value and can apparently, and that can apparently generate anxiety. Um, if I'm convinced I'm being punished and you challenge that comfortable explanation by trying to tell me that it in large measure um, is natural consequences for my actions and not the imposition of punitive action by an angry judging God, my response may be to become aggressive. And that's what happened. One of our common human needs is security. And if our coordinates for life are navigating the world as we understand it or orientation toward truth get jostled enough, we have to grab on to something, don't we? Well, when some of the attacks became personal, my mind did not immediately go to the psychological explanation for the group's behavior. But it did sit surprisingly comfortable, comfortably in the spiritual ground upon which I was standing. I felt no need to become aggressive in return. 
And this is not the case when I speak to elected officials. whose positions I find indefensible. You know, I'm afraid I become a bit strident and frustrated in, in those arenas. As on this occasion, I was somewhat on my own turf subject-wise. I could, I could trust the process. Admittedly, I do have a prayer life. In preparation for the group, I have had included a prayer that all might work to the benefit of those present and that it might be used for the higher good. Before I left, all of the individuals came up to me and shook my hand and with, were extending thanks. I was told later there was a big confrontation between the people in the group and that people were having to challenge or at least examine some of the things that they had assumed that were feeding addictive behavior. Doesn't mean it's going to change. Doesn't mean it needs to change. But if I had raised my voice... If I had become aggressive, if I had been insistent, if I had been condescending, if I had been in any way dismissive, I don't think that would have happened the same way. Now, there are an awful lot of things in this world that challenge our capacity to stay calm. or to feel positive about what the outcomes might be. But thinking back on the course of events, um, that passage from the Book of Romans in the Christian Testament came to mind. I don't know exactly why, except that I know one, at least one of the individuals, if not several in the group, would have probably had it playing in theirs. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That ran through my head. So, you know, our hymnal in the back is uh, God of glory. So, uh, okay, that's kind of interesting that we're on humanism. That's one of the hymns. This is a phrase that came to mind. This is So, but when I grew up, as I was growing up in another tradition, the glory part of that passage wasn't highlighted a lot. The way that I understood that as I, as, I don't know if it was my childhood assumptions or if it was delivered this way, and I'm not going to say somebody gave it to me this way because I don't, can't recall. But the way that I interpreted it as a child is um, for all have offended God and are therefore destined to be doomed. Now, with my Unitarian Universalist 
universal translator, I can take that passage and make it into all of us miss the mark sometimes. You know, that archery analogy that we have been taught the word sin um, is derived from where it's missing the mark. Oops. You know, you aim for something, you don't quite get there. Um, And lost touch with that experience of wholeness, which is another way for me to interpret the glory of God. That brilliant feeling when, when we're very clear within our own hearts that we're exactly where we need to be doing what we need to be doing. I don't have to think about what comes next to get some value from that passage. Um, but I knew with those, what those words would have meant to some of the people in the group, and I was glad that I had the opportunity to at least maybe shed a different color light on some of the things that um, might be making them uncomfortable. You know, when voices rise, ears go deaf. Teachable moments are lost. And, I, and that made me think of John Mayer's song, Belief. And I think he sums it up really well in there. Um, is there anyone who really recalls ever breaking ranks at all for something someone yelled real loud one time? For me, the glory is the wonders to which I am a witness. The synchronicities when I'm doing what is mine to do. The incredible elegance of nature. The truly magnificent transformations that love and hope can bring in people's lives. Come short of the glory is losing sight of those things. There's no denying how many things there are in this world that challenge our confidence in the positive direction of the unfolding of the world. But as Unitarian Universalists, um, one of the five smooth stones of liberal religion that we uh, honor is that our optimism is justified. That's James Luther Adams' um, teachings, incidentally. Um, still, the world needs our message of hope. And it needs to be tempered and molded by reason and science. But we have to present it in ways people can hear. And we have to hear what's being said well enough to understand how it might be heard. That's a lot of responsibility. And as best I know, maybe I'm wrong, none of us have perfected it. So we have work to do.
But in trying to last the length of this journey, I also come back to um, something John O'Donohue quoted from Pascal, who was a mathematician and physicist, uh, along with a, a theologian. Um, you should always keep something beautiful in your mind. If you can keep some kind of contour that you can glimpse sideways at now and again, you can endure great bleakness. If we can hold a piece of that glory close enough that we can cast our gaze, internal gaze at it, when we need to, we can be bearers of light and tradition for the world around us.